0: back Recording uh, to, to Talking Classic Talks on Spiritual Crusade. I am Todd, and this is my buddy Kevin. Uh, we are here, and we're going to be talking about some lessons I learned as a boy by Gordon B. Hinckley. He shared this talk in the early 90s. I want to say 93, uh, and I would have been like 10 when I would have heard this, but I don't remember it, but yep. I certainly remember the uh, Mormon message And, uh, and, and I like to review that one every so often with my own kids, uh, when they had, used to have a primary talk back when church was a thing, uh, where kids would go to church and give primary talks, um, we'd review it and then the kids would kind of retell that story in their own words. It was a, it was a really easy talk to give and it had multiple applications. Um, but anyway, uh, without further ado, we'll jump into it and, uh, and see what we can, we can discuss. Uh, you know, Gordon B Hinckley also, I don't know what you, you, Kevin, you grew up with him just like I did, but he, he was yep. just, he's like a grandpa. He was just like the funniest old you know yep. old guy. You appreciated his spirit and, and, uh, you know, what he, what he brought to it and you knew that he had gone through some things in his life. Um, and, yep. and as, exactly. I grew, as I grow older, I know that he like, he was like in the first presidency for decades before he was a prophet. And uh, you know, when Spencer W. Kimball was in poor health, like he ran the show and like, or was it Ezra Taft One of them was in poor health. Yeah. and He kind of ran the show f- for a while, but um, anyway, uh, the first, the first story he kind of talks about was, was he talks about his uh, stove that he had, and his furnace uh, mm-hmm. in his home, and how they both ran off of coal. And if you wanted the house to be warm, if you wanted the, the house to be taken care of, you needed to continually feed that thing coal. Uh, and he, and that's you know, getting old timey. Like I, I'm, a, I work in a coal mine. It's all steel, ma- steel making, metallurgical coal. But coal is black. It's dirty and it's uh, it's unforgiving. But he said. Uh, and he he talks about how wonderful these things were the 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 benefit and improvement it was in their lives to have these things but uh he said it was a voracious Mm -hmm. had a voracious appetite for coal and there was no automatic stoker the coal had to be shoveled into the furnace carefully and banked each night and he learned a great lesson from that monster of a furnace if you want to keep warm you had to work the shovel and uh I don't know about you, Kevin, my dad was pretty great at teaching this lesson as well. Uh, and not just stoking coal or any, of, any of that, but uh, you know, he, he, he taught the, the value of work. Um, we had, we would get truckload after truckload of firewood every single fall and, and load up like crazy. Like, like we we're, we we're stocking for the second coming or something like it was food storage. We were getting yep. so much wood. Yeah. And, uh, but, we learned from a young age that even if you're six, seven, eight, you grab a log and you bring it to the truck and that's what you can do. And you pitch in.
1: How about you? you yeah, yeah, you, uh, definitely. Stories? And I, yeah, yeah. So when I, we grew up, uh, we actually heated with fire, with wood as well. We didn't have another source of heat. So it was wood heat. So we had our beautiful firewood stove and uh, same, similar to you we would get these uh, loads of, you know, wood we'd, chainsaw them, split them stack them I remember being younger my dad would split because it was way more efficient and we had to stack and just how terrible that was but my dad was also an interesting guy because at some point when he would finish splitting wood right this is probably 10 years old where I'm at he would always come and help stack after so rather than just saying his job was done so always looked forward to that part because <laughs> got to do a little bit less but yeah we definitely would work and it's Interesting how that comes out. I remember doing some service projects for some people when they'd gotten a couple logging truck loads of firewood, which is a whole lot of firewood split. And we did a church service project for this family. And we had a couple young guys that had done firewood. I was one of them. And we just destroyed. Like, we just were so fast, so efficient. We got like the whole logging truck load done. And some of the older gentlemen were coming up to us and just dumbfounded at how fast we were able to work because we'd been taught. Yeah. I wasn't anything special. Neither were my buddies. We just, we had lived with a family that we got taught how to do wood. (laughs) Yep.
0: And it's not, it's not difficult. There's an art to it or a skill to it that you need to learn. Yep. And uh, my issue is is in my whole life, because I always stacked or chopped. I used to go through an axe handle a year. They used to joke because I would like just brute strength that axe handle or that axe head through the the wood. Uh, But I would break an axe handle a year. So they kept harassing me. Finally, I went and bought my own axe. And I haven't broken that that thing yet. It's weird how that works. But um, anyway, uh, when I finally got around to chainsawing, it was when I bought my own chainsaw. And so I I had zero experience with it. And so I'm learning. I'm teaching myself how to sharpen that thing. And uh, yep. for the first several years, it was like sawing all like sawing all over the place. I couldn't cut a straight line and my life depended on it. But yep. uh, slowly and surely, the the chainsaw is getting better. <laughs> I'm getting better quality chainsaws, and I'm taking care of it better. And uh, but again, lessons you learn, right? Yep. Um, he continues on. He keeps talking about uh, uh, you know lessons that, that he had work he had. Uh, They had an an orchard, they learned that uh, pruning, how important pruning was. And I liked, there was a line in here, and I talked about you could pretty well determine the kind of fruit you would pick in September, by the way you pruned in February. The idea was to space the branches so that the fruit would be exposed to sunlight and air. And I thought that was interesting, Uh, sunlight and air. It's, to me, it it is uh, access to direct sunlight, so warmth and light—you uh, could call that Jesus Christ. You can call it the gospel. Uh, for in relation to us, right? Uh, and air, to me, is mm-hmm. space to grow. You know, you're not—you're not so regimented or so like bottlenecked that you can't really do anything. But that fruit has space to grow. Sunlight and air were two things that those fruit needed to grow and become good fruit. Uh, that was something I thought of uh, when I was rereading this talk uh, that I liked.
1: Um, yeah, no, that's it's got so many applications. It's great. It's great.
0: It's a it's a good analogy, uh, and well, obviously the fruit grows or fruit analogies are plentiful in the uh, in the scriptures. Uh, he they talks are. About, Sick, you know, people get sick. It's funny that he's that, that when I was reviewing this the first time, it was a couple of months ago in, in <laughs> preparation for uh, a bishop's youth uh, fireside. I was I was giving, and there was a, a one specific story that I really liked that I wanted to share. But uh, he talked about sick people, and I thought how how appropriate that we have, you know, we're living in a time where there's quarantining, where like when we were growing up, that wasn't a thing. There was no such thing as quarantining when I was a kid, but we've kind of never heard of it full circle, right?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, and it's interesting how similar life like history just repeats itself over and over again. And we at some point think, hey, we're this evolved society and we're so amazing and do so many awesome things. And then we still have the same problems that they had 100 years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. oh yeah it just
1: and it's just a continual revolution
0: and it's just a different uh different name and a different whatever but there's still i guarantee you back in those days yep. there was lots of media hype about this or that to pro and con or yep. you know avoid this avoid that and, but uh I, I liked this line he goes the you know the, the the point of this story about people getting sick was the the signs the The public health officer would come and put a sign on the front wind, front uh, uh, lawn saying, you know, basically, stay away. This family this family's sick. You know, you do you come here at your own peril. This was a warning to anyone uh, who might wish to come to our house uh, that they did so at their own peril. Um, and and I appreciated that. And he, he explains it. He goes, I learned something I have always remembered to watch for signs of danger and evil and stay away. Uh, and, and in these days, this, the signs are plentiful if you're looking, you know, and and, and there are yep. plenty of, of problems out there, plenty of adversity if we want to go find those things. Um, but the prophets and, and yep. uh, church leaders and parents just uh, lead and guide and try and Encourage people away from those things, and those are
1: signs, right? Yeah. If we if we choose to yeah, and, look at them, Tori, go ahead. And it, it's so important to identify. And the thing about danger and evil is oftentimes it could be different for you and for me. Now there are certain things that are specific signs that we know that, yeah, that's kind of dangerous for everyone, but it can be very different for Todd versus Kevin as to what dangerous or evil signs are for our specific circumstances in life and that idea of watch for those and stay away because sometimes we do watch for them (laughs) yeah Uh, we don't stay away (laughs) and so just the importance of not to just identify that this is something that you shouldn't do or should stay away from but to also stay away from that
0: (laughs) identify those triggers in our life that lead us towards those things right yeah, and that triggers are that yeah. sign, right? You know what? Hey, I'm getting yeah, I'm getting frustrated here. You know, like I'm 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 gonna yep. start getting crabby with my kids and my wife and and people and yeah, and I need to be correcting myself. We talked a lot today in uh, in at church uh, about course correcting and checking in, seeing where we are. Oh, good. And uh, and it was a it was a neat discussion we had both in Word Council and then in. Uh, and then in our, our Sunday school lesson, our elders' quorum led Sunday lesson uh, about yeah. you know grounding ourselves and making sure we're we're doing the right things and and uh, you know cor- uh, what was it course correcting and 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 making sure we're we're in alignment with what we should be doing. Often we feel like we're doing pretty well, but are we? And yeah, uh, you know, I know myself. That's usually one of the first signs is when I start getting crabby, I know I got to start looking at, okay, what's going on in my life that I need to be correcting and and being better. And often it takes a a prayer and some, and some, you know, quiet time and some repenting and a little bit of asking the uh, the Lord to, you know, you got to take this from me or you got to take this, this problem I'm having, you know, I can't, I can't deal with it. Here you take it. And, uh, you know, I can take it back later, but right now I just got to, you know, focus on the most important things and, uh, you know, identifying the, uh, those signs and avoiding them or not avoiding the signs, but avoiding, you know, progressing past the sign or bypassing the sign is, is a, a lesson we all need to learn in life. But and it's different. Well, for
1: sure. And it's, it, it's inter Yeah. And it's interesting how some things that can be innocent to start out with, can be those signs, and it's so important for us to be able to clue in and have those regular check-ins. That daily repentance, like uh, President Nelson talks about.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. and I, I remember one time I was being, uh, you know, crabby or uh, difficult at home, and I was talking to Jamie about what I could be doing better, and and I said I think what I need to do is change the music I'm listening to, and she was like, music what is music going to have to do with any of it? (laughs) But I said, I think, I think it's driving that the spirit away in my life. You know, there's just certain music, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I sure liked listening to it. I still like listening to it, but it's not, you know, edifying even a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not like it has bad language, but it's just, it's just loud enough and, and, you know, distracting enough, I guess, that it just drives the spirit away. And
1: uh, anyway, uh so so when did you stop listening to opera then todd
0: <laughs> oh i never stopped listening to <laughs> opera those melodic <laughs> tones i don't know i don't know about <laughs> opera uh i do like the i do like the occasional musical or the uh stage musicals but uh i i am not musical myself there you go so. <laughs> uh he gordon b Hickley, he carries on he talks about school and, and uh, you know, about how they, were, they, they dressed neatly. They, they basically uh, were, were obedient and, and good listeners and, and focused on, um, you know, doing the right things. And he talked about some of his friends growing up and some of the problems that they caused at school. And uh, he learned not to judge his friends based off of, you know, some of the things they did when they were kids. Uh, I just mentioned this. I don't know when it was. I think it was in a testimony a while back about, like, I grew up in this ward that I'm a bishop of now, and I'm so grateful. And it was, oh, we were talking about sustaining uh, a couple of weeks ago in church. And I said, I, I'm personally grateful for that sustaining vote because, uh, first off, nobody's obligated to sustain anyone else. <laughs> they, and, uh, and, you know, growing up in this ward, I certainly have enough history with people that they would be totally justified in not sustaining me as as a bishop but I was grateful that they did and it was meaningful for me but um anyway he these stories kind of talk about not judging people or uh he has another friend who uh never really um you know he was always a jokester and he never really took life seriously and he never any and he didn't focus on the most important things and it eventually came to bite him uh, in the end, and he goes. That the lesson he learned from his friend was that uh, that he needs to, to to take the serious things in life and the serious choices in life. Uh, that you know that the, those serious choices need to be made with much care and prayer. You don't want to be too flippant or or quick with those choices because because it can go wrong pretty quick. Almost like selling your house without having a new place to move into, <laughs> <laughs> which I know all about um classic (laughs) this next
1: story is the one i like sorry kevin you got yeah well no i was just going to say like all along there's this theme of looking back at your life and saying what can i learn from this so we've all probably had similar situations where we could have learned stuff just in our day-to-day life whether it's you know interaction at school uh as you're young etc etc and then if we don't actually look back though and say, oh, what what could I learn from this lesson, so that I can avoid having to go through this? It's not much use. And so I love this, you know, this reflection of his, this grandfatherly re- reflection.
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually had had a similar thought in that, uh, what are we doing? And that's, it's something that kind of kicked my butt because I'm not a good journal journaler or anything. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, maybe what I should start doing, or what anyone can start doing, is you know, we all have email addresses. Why don't we send ourselves an email and have a story when we think of it, and you know, save it, throw it over to a file, and then you just have it there. Yeah. And uh, when you get enough of them together, you print them off, you know, spiral bound them or whatever, and then you got a bunch of stories about your childhood for your kids or your spouse or for whoever. Right. And it's just it. It's it, not like you have to sit down and write a book for uh, no three months.
1: No. But, but if you have something written down, you'll be able to look back on and then add to it too, right? Like, that's definitely, that's a great idea, Todd.
0: Yep. It was one I uh, I started to, uh, started to do years ago and it kind of fell by the wayside. Which, uh, I would write my kids a, a letter once a year. Yeah. I would email it to an email account I had dedicated for them. Mm-hmm. And I think I wrote two letters and then I haven't written a letter in like six years. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, um, the idea was... That's how it is. When they turn older, here, hey, i got an email address for you. Yeah. Here you go. And, oh, yeah, there's some emails in there, and they get it when they get it. But, anyway, I've, I've changed my, my strategy about what I'm going to write and how I'm going to communicate that info. But uh, this next story uh, Gordon B. Hinckley shares is the one I shared with at my, the, my fireside at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes, the next year we enrolled in junior high school. So he's in grade seven. Um, or seventh grade in the States, uh, they said the next building that they're supposed to move into didn't have enough room to accommodate for them all. So they had to actually go back to the, their primary school, which they didn't care for because we were insulted. We were furious. Yeah. We'd spent six unhappy years in that building and we felt we deserved something better. Uh, so they decided they were going to do something about it. And they, the boys got together and they, uh, they determined they were going to go on strike. And so the next day they didn't show up. They just yep. they milled about, they, they went, they didn't go to school, but they went and milled about. And he says, uh, you know, he, he, Gordon B Hinckley in his way, he goes, we didn't, uh, we had no place to go. We couldn't stay home because our mothers would ask questions. We didn't go downtown to a show. We had no money. We didn't go to the park. We were afraid we might be seen by Mr. Clayton, the truancy officer. We didn't go behind the school fence and tell shady stories because we didn't know any, uh, <laughs> We didn't. We'd never heard of such things as drugs, of any anything of the kind. We just wandered about and wasted the day. Uh, the next day, they went to school, and the principal uh, stopped them and said, "Boys, I understand your frustration, but that's not how you deal with things. Uh, you are not allowed back in the school until you have a note from your parent." So then they all had to go go home and get a note from their parent. And he said this was the most stinging rebuke he got. Uh, he he explained to his mom why he needed a note, and she wrote it. She goes, uh, "Dear Mr. Stearns, that's the principal. Please excuse Gordon's absence yesterday. His action was simply an impulse to follow the crowd." And it says she signed it, handed it to me. He he went and gave it to the principal. He, but he goes, he he learned a lesson that day to to you know not follow the crowd. He needs to mm-hmm. stand out and be different. Whether he agrees with it or not, he needs to be his own man and not follow the crowd. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I can't even remember why I shared that in my bishop's uh, <laughs> the fireside there, but um, I'm, I could dig it up and I'm sure it, it tied in seamlessly. But, Perfect. Uh, <laughs> it it was uh, yeah it, it you know he was in the seventh grade. I don't know. I remember. I don't remember some of the lessons I learned in the seventh grade, but. Uh, no. Um. That's a pretty important one because he's coming up into the formative years.
1: Well, and it's, it's always important that we learn lessons uh, when there's support available and when we're teachable. Right. So like, this is a young man who, uh, and this has nothing to do with whether striking is good or bad. This is literally, this was, that wasn't a solution did the principal want them back? Not a chance (laughs) in the first place. Right. He was done with those kids. They're gone. Yeah. This was just a tough situation. Like, and that's all the, and the the answer to deal with tough situation isn't to hide from it. Like that's just, that's sort of the story, right. Is, but to make your own choices based upon your merits. (laughs) And it's so important though, to be able to make that choice in a supportive environment. It reminds me of a story from my, I have one, I think I was grade four. And so it was in grade four and in Canada, in the small elementary school I was in, we did split grades because it was such a small school. So I think in grade two and grade three, you know, some of those classes were put together. Uh, The idea being that you'd have pretty much a full class of grade twos and a couple grade threes could join that class because there were too many grade threes for one class by itself. And so uh, this was in grade four, though. So I was in a grade three, four split. And the teacher one day gave us juice (laughs) for being good students. So we all had done something deserving of getting juice in class. And as a, I was, no, I was in grade three, sorry. So in grade three, that was like the biggest, most amazing thing, right? So the teacher's coming around, he's pouring, filling us all up cups with juice. And it was like just juice from concentrate, not anything special, but the teacher was giving us juice for being good students. He gets to the end and he says, did everybody get some? Because he's got a little bit left. And I'm like, just being, oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be silly and say I didn't get any. So I raise my hand and I'm just thinking I'm the funniest guy in the world. So the teacher comes up to me and he fills my cup up with the end of it. Now, he, he knew I had some, like he's not an idiot, but he used it as a teaching moment. So he fills my cup up. And then he looks at the end of the juice box or the juice container and he says, oh, I guess there's none for me now. And it, at the age that I was, the relationship I had with this teacher, uh, how teachable I was, that was one of the biggest uh, lessons I've ever learned about being honest, just straight across. Because I felt so bad that I had taken juice from my teacher and he wasn't able to get some because I had lied. Right. Like, but what a safe situation. And the reason the teacher did this is because he knew who I was and how I would react, but he let me make that choice. Didn't even scold me. Just, Oh, I guess I don't get any, but just what an effective lesson it was.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. That's awesome. And that's, that's what's awesome about Mr. Stearns and about uh, Gordon B Hinckley's mom. In that, in this moment, yeah. they didn't rant and rail, and that's my you, you know I want <laughs> to every opportunity to drive home the point and like yeah. get the whiteboard out and draw the plans. You see, Do you see, Do you see what you did. Yeah, but uh, you don't yeah, have yeah. to, and uh, you can just let it be and, and 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 you know follow the spirit, and and be mindful and and just let that simple lesson be learned
1: and then, yeah and it goes to show from a teacher's standpoint right cuz we're all supposed to be master teachers right we're supposed to be like Christ who is a master yeah. teacher uh and i would say i'm similar to you Todd where it's like i want to point this drive this point home but if i could have had a million amazing lessons about how important it is to be honest but this would have been way more effective cuz i came to the conclusion on my own of the consequences right like just well, maybe it's we need to rethink how I parent.
0: <laughs> well, me too. Maybe it comes back to that—that that pruning, yeah. where you were given the light yeah. and the space to, to learn that lesson. Right? Yeah, it's not like there was branches and twigs poking you, and being like, see, 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 yeah, see.
1: yeah, 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 yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyways, lots of lessons, you know, even, and, and that's kind of what I took away from a lot of this too, is it's a lot of yep. lessons for, for, for me and mm-hmm. for us as, as fathers and for us as teachers. Yeah. Uh, you know, just so timely. And actually he talks in the very beginning of this lesson, he says, he's going to speak to the boys, but he also says, you old men can listen to, if you want, or sleep, yeah, yeah. Or, sleep if, or whatever sleep. you want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he carries on, he goes, uh, oh, uh, when he talked about uh, this, this note that his mother wrote and how it, uh, because I determined then and there that I would make my own decisions on the basis of their merits and my standards and not be pushed in one direction or another by those around me. That decision has blessed my life many times, sometimes in very uncomfortable circumstances. It has kept me from doing some things, which if indulged in could at worst have resulted in serious injury and trouble and at best would have cost me my self-respect. So he always maintained the high ground and he always, um, you know, kept himself safe spiritually yeah. and physically because he, he learned this lesson as a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, he, he carried on. He talks about his father. He goes, his father had a horse and buggy, uh, mostly growing up. And then eventually he got a Model T. And now he compares the Model T compared to the new vehicles and says it, it was a crude, dusty, dirty machine that barely worked and was cantankerous and, and problematic. But he goes, you learned. You learned what you needed to do to make that car work properly. And, and there's a line uh, in it uh, about preparation. Uh He goes, uh, from that car, I learned a few simple things about making preparation to save trouble Mm -hmm. and, uh, how important of a lesson is that for, for us today? Yeah. How often is a little bit of what's the line about preparation, an ounce of preparation saves, uh, or an ounce of prevention. Something about spoonful of sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Makes the medicine go down. I can't remember. Yeah. I think it was an, an ounce of prevention saves a pound of, of I don't know, repair. I'm going okay. to remember like at three in the morning tonight. Like, That's what it was. You're going to wake up so
1: <gasps> and then you won't be able to go back to sleep. Yeah, I should have
0: prepared better.
1: <laughs> That's I actually had, uh, since we did, I baptized my youngest daughter this weekend. I had a discussion with uh, a member of the bishopric was up there talking about how, how I'm wired is that I don't like leaving things till the, till the end. I don't like that feeling, that anxiety that comes up. So I like to prepare. And one of the reasons that you prepare though is you get rid of some of the problems. You're, you're able to just avoid those problems. It's just a complete true fact in life, whether it's going to do a zoom baptism for the first time, you're able to make sure that stuff's going to work, <laughs> right? Yep. Like there's, but if you wait until the starting time of the baptism, it's going to be a gong show. And yeah, preparation is so important. It saves you so much trouble.
0: Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've called my wife and been like, hey, can you log into the Zoom meeting and make sure everything's going to work? Because, because of that, because of times when it didn't.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
0: and, not, and not, no fault of our own. But there was yep. an equipment failure. We had an audio sound system failure fail right before church started. And we're like, <laughs> how, you know, like, so we, yep. you know, anyway, it was like 15 minutes before and it was, it, everything worked fine. And then we left the room and came back and now there's a buzz. Are you kidding me? But uh, <laughs> anyway, it's about learning and it's about figuring out and pre- preparing, uh, you know, helps a ton. Um, yeah, and and I like it, it. It very neatly moves into this part where he, he spot, talks about work. Yeah, because he talks about his lights and he goes back in those days there was no uh, battery. Now we have a, yep. an alternator that feeds the battery and maintains yep. a certain voltage. Back then they didn't have a, a battery. You had to hand crank your your, your Model T, and you are you are basically relying on the alternator or magneto to provide your power for your your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Well, that thing has uh, magnets and there's only so many poles on that motor. And as it spins, that's how well your lights are going to work. And the faster it spins, the brighter your lights are going to work. And he goes, so I learned that if the engine was running fast, the lights were bright. If the engine slowed, the lights became sickly yellow. I learned that if you wanted to see ahead as you're going down the road, you had to keep the engine running at a fast clip. So just as I discovered, it is with our lives. Industry, enthusiasm, and hard work lead to enlightened progress. It brightens up our way. You have to stay on your feet and keep moving if you're going to have light in your life. And uh, so it is with preparation. When we're prepared for something, things are going to run smoother. We're going to be enlightened and have that ability to, to move forward and and deal with hiccups. Yeah. but. Uh, I like that. And it's always been, I'm not, I'll never buy a model T. I always thought it'd be fun to buy like an old, like forties or fifties type vehicle. that's just kind of new enough, but old enough. But, uh, that's one day when I become independently wealthy and I just want to keep busy, I'll buy one of those and just keep myself busy. But
1: there you go. There you go.
0: I don't have time to do anything. So, uh, I can't imagine picking up another hobby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: That also goes in with like talking about if you're busy, you're working hard, you'll have, you know, enlightenment and it talking about too, when you put in the effort of pruning in February, you'll have good fruit in September and just how that all goes together, right? These, and it's wonderful when we're able to learn lessons, but then we can see how they apply in different facets of our life. It's not just one thing. It's not like if you just do this one thing, life's great. It's there's all these many different ways to do things, whether it's doing preparation, it's you know actually being diligent in your scripture study, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's many ways to have a good, fulfilled life.
0: <laughs> and it's uh, and and so it is with the gospel. Like there's there's a, everything bleeds into each other. Yeah. And, and that's where that checks and balances is so important to make sure we're doing all the things, because if, if we take one thing out, it, 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 it affects the other things. And, that's right. Uh, you know, just make sure we're, we're doing the, the important things. And then the other things, you know, the rebuilding the, the old, you know, 1950s pickup or, uh, yep. you know, running my hockey league or whatever, you know, all these other things, yeah. you know, <laughs> If we have time, we fit them in. Great, you know. And hobbies aren't bad. Yep. And and but uh, to quote, uh, uh, who is it? He was uh, he was at the uh, youth conference just before COVID shut everything down. Uh, the fall before COVID shut everything down. Uh, Steve Scott, and he quoted a general authority when they said it, and I think it was actually quoted at this last general conference. But it was uh, um, a distraction does not have to be evil to be effective. Gotcha. You know, that's what I keep saying. I keep reminding people: focus on the most important things first, and then, and yeah. then everything else will fall in. Yeah. Uh, he carried on. He says we talked about um, Found home evening. You know, they were they were yeah. not good singers. They were not good performers. But their 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 father, or their parents, decided it, they were going to follow uh, Joseph F. Smith's. Uh, Requests that families have family evening, so they insisted that they were going to do it, and uh, Mm -hmm. they listened to Bible and Book of Mormon stories. Uh, You know, his dad told stories. They sang, they danced, they had fun, but they they did it together as a family. Uh, Was the most important thing. And this is probably the most important, or not important, most well-known lesson or story from this talk uh, that father shared. Uh, and it's the one where the two the two boys were, um, were, were walking along. Uh, they found an old coat and a and badly pair, a badly worn pair of shoes on the roadside, and they saw the owner of, of those shoes working in the field. And uh, one of the boys suggested, "Hey, we should hide their stuff and hide his stuff and see what happens. Play a prank on him." Yeah. And uh, the older boy thought that would not be so good. Uh, the owner must be a poor man, looking at his shoes and his coat. And so they discussed it. They, they, they decided they would play a prank, but it would be a good one. They put a silver <laughs> dollar in each shoe, went and hid, and see what he did when he discovered the money. Uh, he said that pretty soon the man returned, put on his coat, slipped one foot in, found a dollar, was kind of stunned, looking around, put his foot in the other one, noticed, you know, something in there took you know, rooted around, found another dollar. He had, you know, these two silver dollars. You know, and, and my first thought is, This is like turn of the century, 1800s, 1900s, Uh, you know, silver dollars, I imagine it was like 20 bucks. Now, these kids are running around with, you know, $20 or 50 bucks or just handing it off. I'd be mad at my kids if they did that.
1: (laughs) Just load it. Just load
0: (laughs) (laughs) it. Money doesn't grow on a tree, but the lesson is way more important. But yeah, uh, the man was overwhelmed. Uh, he knelt down and offered a loud prayer of thanksgiving and so the boys got to hear his prayer and he talked about his, his wife who was sick his kids who were her hungry because they didn't have food and, uh, and he fervently thanked the Lord for this bounty from unknown hands and evoked the blessing of heaven upon those who gave him this needed help the boys remained hidden until he had gone and they had been touched by his prayer and felt something warm within their hearts and as they left, as they left to walk down the road one said to the other now don't you have a good feeling. Uh, you know, and just such an impactful story, such yeah. an impactful uh, you know, lesson to learn and to be told, even secondhand, uh, about the importance of just go going about doing good.
1: Yeah. And and having those friendships that uplift, right? That goal of uplifting. Right. Because of obviously we're all in different uh you know, stages of life. And oftentimes we might come up with something. Oh, that'd be fun. Let's pull a little prank. Like Todd, you and I understand that completely, we, completely, completely,
0: get
1: it. completely. And, you know, there are definitely some times where it's like with your brothers or a close friend who, you know, that's what you do. There's obviously nothing wrong with that, but that idea of uplifting and lifting up our fellow brothers and sisters rather than having a joke at their expense, Like I just look at, you know, sometimes it's fun to laugh, but when you watch this Mormon ad that the church did with this, this is like tear fest every time I watch it. Like, it's just such a great feeling, such a, such a well done uh, video as well, but it's just such a great feeling to see when you help a fellow brother or sister. Like that's, it's just amazing.
0: And uh yeah, what I loved is the earlier Gordon B. Hinckley talks about following the crowd. And yep. now we have an instance where one boy suggests they do something and yep. the other boy actually kind of sticks up and says, no, that's, you know, that's not right. And doesn't yep. do it in a, in a, you know, doesn't rebuke him and doesn't shame him or doesn't do any of that. Just they just, they talk about what they could do. That's that's better. And so mm-hmm. I appreciated that, that like, he had yeah. To get it up fortitude or enough strength to to speak up they were good enough friends that they could do that and were open to do that uh and and you know made this you know i I guarantee it it was inspired and and he was in tune enough to 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 do this uh to follow through with it and he didn't know why he was putting silver dollars in just Mm -hmm. they thought it was a, a a good prank right there was a hashtag floating around a while back a couple of years ago that I liked it was called uh do good recklessly hashtag oh, okay. do, do good recklessly and I actually this last summer when we went on our canoe trip I, I I named the boat that I had you know and uh spray painted it on there with stencils and it looked pretty good but uh and that's what I think of when I when I read this story it's doing good recklessly like mm-hmm. just not caring about the consequences and just doing doing good and whether it's paying for somebody's groceries and you know, not worrying about whether it's a scam or not worrying about the twenty dollars, yeah. it's not about the twenty dollars. It's about you yeah. know, serving and and loving and and if we could focus less about the money or less about uh, you know the 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 physical things on it, uh, we can you know really make a, a huge difference in people's lives.
1: Mm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's it's giving up of ourselves, right? Which is what we're commanded to do, you know, give up of ourselves. And when we do that, though, it's amazing. So, like in this question, we we'll go back to it. Like, you got a silver dollar, you could have bought whatever. If it's like twenty or fifty bucks for us, could go out to A and W or you know what I mean. Like, her, oh no, I missed going out to A and W once. But just the act of giving. And it doesn't have to be financial, obviously, but just the act of giving how it benefits us so much more when we give like to be a part of this and watch like someone actually legit become overwhelmed and need help. Like that would be just an amazing feeling much more than me attending even a hockey game, right? Like it's just, it's not even in the same idea, not even in the same realm,
0: it's it's about that care and attention right and yeah. uh you know i i think of the movie the kid i don't know if you remember the oh kid. yeah yeah Willis. yeah and the, the dad invites his son to come and help him move and he sends him a check for like to pay for some movers and he's like it's not about the movers it's not about moving the boxes it's about the time and spending the time and this lesson is learned throughout the movie um yeah. you know and and there's a quote again i'm going to slaughter it uh, about uh, you know a busy man's time and if it, in a, you know someone who's busy if they can make time for you it's that much more meaningful if mm-hmm. if somebody you know like the widow's might doesn't have a lot of money but it gives them yeah. their 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 time and their their resources mm-hmm. what they what little they have how much more meaningful is it yeah and uh you know we, we can appreciate that and you know just doing going about doing good right yeah doing good recklessly and not you know making ourselves broke or homeless or, or whatever, taking care of ourselves as well, but yeah, uh, doing what we can do. Yeah, uh, Gordon B. C- continues. He talks about his father and his mother. Uh, and this is one thing that I took home. He, go, he talks about his home. Yeah, In that old home, we knew that our father loved our mother. Mm-hmm. That was another of the great lessons of my boyhood. I have no recollection of ever hearing him speak unkindly to her uh, or of her. He encourages her in her individual church activities and in neighborhood and civic responsibilities. Uh, you know, he carries on, but he just says, and she likewise encouraged him, but like just to, the parents were loving. They yep. were respectful of each other uh, as they should be. They're each other's person. You know, your spouse should be your person and you should be your spouse's number one fan, not critic. Yeah. And, 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 and Jamie and I often... Uh, talk about that we do tease each other and heckle each other um and we always check in with each other to make sure that wasn't uh you know not over uh, the line but that that it was what what was said was uh, acceptable or okay um and more more so myself than her (laughs) what (laughs) usually 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 she just calls me a big dumb idiot and it's in a joking way and i I don't mind because um anyway because i love her (laughs) But uh, and my kids know that I'm a big meathead, so they totally know that she's joking. And but it's they know that you know I love my wife, and I regularly remind them that she's my number one, they are my number, they're all they all four of them are tied for my number two. And if they're rude to my wife, yeah, it doesn't stand. And we go and deal with this right now. We have multiple stories where they, they were unkind to mom. So they get to deal with dad and I don't punish them. I just take them into the mountains and hike them to death <laughs> to near starvation and freezing. <laughs> but,
1: and that's why you only have three kids now.
0: <laughs> that's, why, yeah, that's why I have spares so that when I do those, no, just kidding. Um, yeah. And usually I yeah. pay for
1: those things more than my kids. The, do the the... <laughs> yeah, Yeah. Well, and it's the, the importance of uplifting completely, right? Completely importance of uplifting. And our purpose as spouses is to, oh, my internet connection is unstable. Yes. Uh, our purpose as spouses is to love each other, to grow with each other, to be awesome. And we forget that we forget that sometimes we forget that there's a reason you're with this person. So like you said, it's important that regular check-in it's important, regular date nights. It's important, but it's also important to show kids this, to show kids what a healthy relationship should look like and how it can be fun, right? Cause lots of times uh, raising kids isn't as fun as we would hope it would be, but we can still show that our family, that, even when t- times are tough and life's hard and we're going through trials, like not having a place to live uh, that we can still have relationships and have fun and joy and still treat people. Okay. Even when we're stressed.
0: And, uh, and making time, right. You yeah. know, again, we all know in, in, in families, in marriage relationships, we are keenly aware of how busy each other are and, mm-hmm. and our kids have a, kind of a good idea of how busy we are but um you know you, you need time with your spouse and you need time for your kids and they need to know that they are a priority yep. and uh, and Gordon B Hinckley yep. he, he says I we felt that my parents loved each other they made time for us they loved us like these were things these were bedrocks of their childhood and and so that's a lesson we can take mm-hmm. away that like how important is that he, can, he talks about broken homes and, yeah. and how he, you know, his heart aches for people who forget that husband and wife should be number one and they should be really supporting each other and, and being, you know, there for their children. And, uh, you know, they, they forget, they, they get distracted and they forget. Um, he goes, none of this tragedy is necessary. I know it is not. The answer to our problems lies in following the simple gospel of Jesus Christ the son of God who brought into the world, his father's love. But, um, yeah. you know, it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough to do all the things, uh, all the time. But, um, if we can focus on the most important things, if we can focus on learning the lessons, like when we do fall short, that's what we're here for. We're not here to like, yeah. you know, fly happily through life with all sunshines and rainbows and, then expects to make it into the celestial kingdom, you know, and, and, you know, without any problems, the problems are what's
1: going to make us. Right. Yeah. Make us grow. Well, and it's important just sort of ending with this topic of making sure your kids know that you love your spouse and that you love them is that we do some things that we say, I love my kids and I do it this way. Right. So maybe uh, I'm going to invite them to do this with me. One of my daughters likes to watch movies. So, in order to show love, I watch movies with her. Right. Like that's yeah. just, but we also need to make sure that they realize sometimes that this is a show. This is how we're showing love. Yeah. Right. Because we could be sh- doing our best, we could be showing them love all these different ways. And they might not ever realize that unless we take the time and say, hey, this is, you know, we're doing this because I love you. Uh, I was busy. I've chosen you first. It does. I'm happy to choose you first, but, and it's important to do that. That next step, I'm reminded of a picture, a buddy of mine showed me where it's got, uh, the mom holding up the baby, like with the baby in the face like this, and the baby's all smiling looking at it. And then the father's holding the mom up so that she can do this for the baby, right? It's the classic dad behind the scenes, which yeah. isn't necessarily a true stereotype, but, um, The idea being that we still need to make sure that people are aware of that. This is how I'm showing love. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love you because I'm doing this.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, and, and doing those, doing those things is so important. And I read a book, read this last week, uh, and it says, it talks about being the person you were when you got married, basically. Uh, the book is oh, okay. wild at heart. I listened to it and uh, at work, which isn't the best place to listen to books because you miss half of what's said. But basically, talked about, you know, like we're, we're, we are who we are and then we get, we get like tamed. And the, the point is to not be that, tamed, you know, you tame the things you need to tame, but still be true to yourself. And uh, he goes, so many, he's mm-hmm. a counselor and he said so many marriage counseling that he does uh complain and wives complain about there's no passion in the marriage but then most of the counseling revolves around how she's worked for you know years and years and years to weed all these bad habits out of her husband and all these bad activities and all these not bad activities but things she didn't approve of so she's basically neutered him and then complains that he's neutered (laughs) and uh anyway so it says we just need to reclaim that a little bit we don't have to Go crazy, but like you know, if you want to ride a motorcycle, ride a motorcycle. If you want to go play rock hockey, go play rock hockey. If you want to go hike into the mountains, go hike into the mountains. Like it's, it's, it's what makes you you, and and helps you to be who you need to be. And you, then when you regain your passion, you can regain you know the, that passion kind of rekindles in your marriage as well. It goes a long way. And uh, but being the person, yeah, and that can be definitely us, go so. both ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, letting, and you want to be that person for your kids too. You don't want to be a, uh, you know, a a watered down version of yourself for your kids. You want to be the best version of yourself.
1: Well, for sure. And you, and it's, it's important that you do that stuff and we all get tamed. Like even, even without a spouse that tries to tame us, we just naturally get tamed as we get older. (laughs) Right. Whether it's so like, uh, as I was telling you, our backs out. (laughs) Uh, rip it, go, trying to skateboard with my kids, never skateboarding before and then crashing and fracturing my rib this past week. When I, when I hit, it hurt so bad. I'm like, I don't think I've had a, a pain like this since I was a teenager. Why? Because I specifically avoid doing stupid stuff like this. <laughs> Wait a minute. That was, that was the last time I skateboarded. Yeah. yeah right. Like, so we, we automatically tame ourselves, but it's so important to have passion. Yeah. In whatever that is, yeah, it's great. That's a great comment.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, anyway, it was it was an interesting book, interesting read. I didn't necessarily agree with everything, but uh, yeah, you know, it was it was a good one. And we need to let our spouse know their priority. Let our kids know their priority. We need to let yeah. our kids know what what our priorities are. We need to be yeah sharing the lessons we learned with our kids. They may yeah. still think we're old. Oh, you know, like we thought Gordon B. Hinckley was a fun old grandpa. <laughs> and you know, yeah. the, the, lessons are, the lessons are valuable and uh yeah you know we need to record them we need to you know ha- have them be a present part of our our lives and our kids lives and learn from them that's the point we don't yeah. want to have the same lessons over and over and over again because we refuse mm-hmm. to learn mm-hmm. that's no, right the purpose the whole point is to learn kind of
1: yeah
0: anyway that's all i have for this lesson or this uh this talk Perfect. It was a good one. I, I like Gordon B Hinckley. It was long overdue for us to cover one of his talks. Uh,
1: Yeah. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. Kevin, you have anything you want to add? Anything you want to find up? I think
1: we're good. Nailed it. Gordon B Hinckley with, you know, he's obviously the prophet we grew up with. So boom.
0: He's a good guy. We like him. Uh, (laughs) If you guys uh, have anything you want us to cover, just make a a comment. Or, or you know, send us a, a whatever, send us a, a, a comment or uh, check us out on spiritualcrusade.com. There's lots of other videos. There's uh, um, what else is there? There's, there's spiritual quotes that are shared regularly, there are, are bl- uh, blogs and other podcasts, and uh, you know, there's, there's really good uh, media on there uh that that helps uplift and inspire uh i was on there uh, just last week uh you know reading some of the stuff and i was taking notes and i was like oh, i gotta remember that one. Oh, i gotta oh yeah i gotta remember that one too you know i, I shared a spiritual uh, uh, uh thought in word council that i that i poached directly off spiritual crusade you know from from about a month ago uh this was a couple you know a couple weeks back but uh it's good and it's uplifted my day and it's benefited me so uh you know, take time check it out and uh, and we'll see you guys in a month